right then, welcome to the very latest edition of the Full Toss podcast from Chester Bolton Hall Cricket Club. And this time round, we've actually got some good news for once. Yes, this week the ECB have finally allowed some form of cricket practice to take place and we'll be hearing all about that from Dave Atkin in just a while. Alongside that, we've also got another blockbuster interview. This time we've got Jimmy Warrington lined up, arguably, well, definitely, one of the finest bowlers the Cheshire County League has ever seen. That is the Full Toss Podcast. You're very welcome from Lee Dixon and Jim Law. The Full Toss Podcast from Chester Borton Hall. This is Jim Law together with Lee Dixon. Um, what we're trying to do is to bring you all the latest news from around Chester Borton Hall. But of course, with no cricket going on uh, this summer, it's pretty difficult. So what we're trying to do is to talk to some of the names around the club, some of the people that are keeping things going, keeping people motivated and uh, helping the place tick over. Uh, in addition to that, of course, we're going slightly further afield and we're pulling out some big names from our colleagues around the Cheshire County League. And I'm delighted that uh, we've done that once again uh, this time round. We'll be talking to Jimmy Warrington, one of the finest bowlers that the league's seen over the last uh, decade or so. Now, uh, one thing that has happened in the last few days is some good news from the ECB. And at long last, we are able to practice some form of cricket, albeit with a number of restrictions in place. I caught up with Dave Atkin to find out exactly what that is and how it will work at Chester Borton Hall. Some great news we've had this week is obviously that, uh, as per government guidelines, and now the ECB have come and confirmed that uh, we can uh, net together uh, one-on-one sessions. So you can net with someone in your own household. Um, or you can have a, a one-to-one session with, with one of the junior coaches uh, down here at the club now. So that's really good news. It doesn't really apply to the over-40s because we don't really do much training anyway. Um, but it does apply to, uh, to obviously all the other teams and the juniors now are, are very welcome to come down. Uh, so there's some more information on the website. Um, we've put all that up there for, for members to, uh, to have a look at. Um, you basically have to book. There's certain considerations, lots of rules around how we're doing all this kind of stuff now uh, as, as we're, we're getting accustomed to. There's lots of restrictions and requirements, but um, we need to do things properly. So there's, uh, there's some more information on the website and you can make a booking with, uh, with Tommy Evans uh, and come on down and, and enjoy the facilities. Uh, the one thing we are um, asking for, though, is, is uh, we've, we've had an amazing response to our request for, for members to pay uh, part or all of their, their playing subs for this year, even though there's no prospect of cricket. Um, but we're asking that uh, if, if members are using the nets, um, either seniors or juniors, that they've they've paid at least a, a social membership um, to, to come down and use the, the, the nets. There's no charge for the hours session, but uh, as I say, we, we would like uh, would like members to, uh, to 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 join up as, as social players. Uh, I've just been down today with my son Joe, and we've had a nice hit. Uh, he's done quite a bit of bowling, missed a couple of straight ones, unfortunately. Uh, so, yeah, um, come on down and, and enjoy the club in uh, this lovely weather we're having. And how's the bowling going, Dave? Uh, I kind of did see you out steaming in at one stage. My bowling? Yes. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's not good enough to get Joe out, but um, uh, I'm going to uh, maybe... Maybe have a season off, concentrate on the batting for this summer and uh, come back again next year. Absolutely. But uh, it is good news, isn't it? And the nets are open, what, uh, from early in the morning? Y- yeah, Tommy's got a, a diary from 8 in the morning until, um, I think... Sorry, nine in the morning to late at night. Um, so, and they're hour-long slots, 50 minutes of training, and then 10 minutes just to tidy up and uh, uh, some, some sanitizer down there to, to wipe everything down and, and lock up again. 
but we're, all the information is sent to members as, as they book and there's a, there's a code of conduct that we ask people to, to go through, which is a requirement of the ECB as well. Excellent. So uh, one step at a time, but at least we're, uh, we're underway. We are edging our way, exactly. Great stuff. Okay, Dave, well, uh, enjoy, enjoy the practice and uh, thanks very much indeed. All right, we'll do. Talk soon, Jim. Cheers. Cheers. It's cricket, Jim, but not as we know it. Jim Law and Lee Dixon, the full toss. So that's good, Lee. Some good news at last. Cricket on. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, for someone like myself, Jim, it's been a, a tedious way to, you know, we were really ramping up into pre-season and uh, enjoying it. And then it's obviously been the last two months where it's just been absolutely nothing going on. But it was great to get back into the nets. Uh, a couple of days ago with the first team captain, Rick Moore. Uh, it was actually really nice as well that, you know, everything was in place, all the, the sprays and the, and the gels and stuff. And, you know, we've made the booking with Tommy. So, yeah, all in place, all safe and, uh, and great to be back practising again. And you look like you were hitting it OK as well. Yeah, obviously you, you, your eyes must be as bad as mine, Jim. <laughs> it, 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 was, it wasn't ideal, but uh, luckily I think I may have quite a bit of time to to get my eye in uh, before cricket starts again. But just the opportunity, you know, anyone who loves the game will tell you, just the opportunity to get in the nets and, you know, play a few shots and, you know, enjoy the fresh air down at the club. is just fantastic. Brilliant. Uh, just as well then, uh, Lee, because there's not much else going on, or is there? Well, obviously, we've got the weekly quiz uh, run by uh, C- Caloran's Inc. Uh, as such, uh, Dave, Dave and uh, Harry, who are doing a fantastic job on a Sunday and then, like uh, every good um, show in the background, we've got Jacko uh, pulling the strings of the questions as well. They've done a fantastic job over the last five or six weeks. So that's, you know, that's really good stuff. Uh, I know a lot of people are enjoying it and raising some vital funds for the club. Uh, and also I've seen as well on the website, uh, in, in your family alone, Jim, there's a little bit of fundraising going on. <laughs> yes, there is. Yes. Uh, Simon, he's walking uh, 24 hours, uh, 24 hour walk. Friday night, June the 5th, from 6 o'clock through to 6 o'clock on the Saturday, around the club for 24 hours. Well, rather him than so is it, yeah, right. Well, I know that you, you did a longer walk uh, the other week, Jim. Uh, I think you walked a marathon or something like that, didn't you? You were out there for about eight hours. but So, obviously, it's, it's a genetic thing, this long-distance walking <laughs> now. Uh, has Simon been doing any training for this? A lot of walking. A lot of walking and a lot of talking. Well, uh, he, he should. Be, he's definitely good at talking, so I'm, I'm pretty sure the walking uh, will come come along too. But is the obviously there's a, a just giving page? Is that on the website? There's just giving page on the website. Yep, and uh, we should perhaps get him in to uh, to talk about it in a bit more detail. Fantastic. So if we if we get Simon in next week, he can talk about everything uh, to do with the, uh, the sponsors' walk and maybe how people can maybe get involved, obviously in a safe way, socially distanced, but maybe get down and support him on that day as well. Absolutely, sounds great. The Full Toss Podcast from Chester Borton Hall. Okay, so next up then, we've got Jimmy Warrington. And welcome to this week's edition of the Full Toss Podcast. It's Lee Dixon again, and it's another massive guest from the Cheshire County League. This week, it's quick bowler, Nantwich legend, and used to be slightly chunky, I'll say you quick bowler, Jimmy Warrington. Jimmy's got over 700 wickets, probably a few more, depending if play, play cricket's been updated correctly, with nearly 4,000 overs to his name. Jimmy, welcome to the Full Toss Podcast. Cheers, gents. Right. Jimmy, after that fantastic response, I know we're going to be in for a quick podcast there, so this is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Uh, firstly, before we get into the cut and thrust of it all, I know that you've been involved in uh, Smash the Tash, which is something that's been going on in the North Staffs League. I know that's obviously right on the border with you. Do you want to just quickly tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, what it is, is uh, it's three ex-Staffordshire players, uh, Craig Barker, Dave Fairbanks and Dave Edwards, decided with no cricket that's going on at the moment uh, to try and raise a bit of money for the NHS, who've been doing such a good job in these really hard times. Uh, basically, all it is was a challenge to grow your facial hair until the first game of the season may be, and then groom it into a moustache of a famous cricketer for the first game. Which seemed a great idea at the time until we realised that it could be a long time until we have our first game. Uh, so what happened was, Sir Mitch, who's Staffordshire opening bowler, who plays for us, said, was anyone fancy joining in? So I'm always up for a bit of a challenge in that. So I was like, yeah, why not? Uh, I know Ray Doyle's doing it, our skipper. And I think a couple of the other lads might join in as well. So, Well, honestly, mate, fantastic cause. Uh, guys, I've seen it on Twitter, smash the tash. Uh, obviously, towards the NHS, you know, Jimmy's obviously got involved last weekend. So, if any of our listeners fancy just taking a little look at that, maybe you want to take part, give them a tweet, donate, do all the right things. So, uh, brilliant, that's you. So, yeah. now, we've, now we've done your uh, kind of off-field kind of ambassadorial role to North Staff, so we can crack on now. So, moving on, obviously, to Al Sager now. Uh, as a young lad, that's where you started your cricket. Um, breaking into the first team at a, a relatively young age. We both locked horns as medium paces, probably first change, slightly heavier. Well, certainly you were than uh, I was uh, bowling some, some medium paces. How did you find your time there? Yeah, I really enjoyed my time at Old Sager. Uh, like I said, broke through at like 16, 17, played a lot of second team cricket, broke through and then, uh, yeah, bowling first change was good and it was uh, it was it was hard work back then, carrying more weight and a bit more hair, thinking I could bowl as fast as I thought I was. Obviously, I wasn't, but uh, bowling four or five overs powers back then. But you no, know, the time there was brilliant. A lot of good friends there still, and we played some decent cricket at times as well. Yeah, just going obviously touched on a few friends you still got there. I remember playing against Al Sager. They had some fantastic players. Obviously, Ashwin Pundra, I always remember as a really great overseas player, very talented Indian batsman. And then you've got the Pickford brothers, and then the the, the figure of Ken South at first slip as well. You know, maybe talk about a few of those guys that obviously had an effect on your cricket early on. Yeah, well, joining the first team as a young lad, a bit wet behind the ears, and uh, having someone like Ken South standing there, yorking with his big moustache at everything you do, uh, and then drinking about 20 pints after the game. It was certainly a, an induction to uh, adulthood more than anything. Uh, but you say, like the Pickford boys were fantastic cricketers. Uh, Gaz was captain, Sid was keeper, opening batsman, both really good players and good friends still now. Uh, and Ash, as an overseas player, was fantastic. I think he had his eyes open coming to Old Sage, a small little town with a bit of a drinking culture in the bar after. Uh, but no, he settled in really well and he was a, an awesome player and did well when he played in the Prem for Ernst, and I think it was. so. Yeah, he did, he did do really well. My, my, own, my only real recollection of Ashwin Pundra, except the fact he got 100 every time he played in, was there was actually 2-1. Uh, you may know Holmesy from Upton. Uh, yeah. He was a third team, a big mate of mine. We were short one day and I thought, well, Come on, this is his chance. Give him his moment in the first team. And uh, 
I went up and asked him to set the field and he, he had three slips and a gully to Ashwin Punja and uh, he bowled a, a quite a decent ball top of off and he just like leant on it through mid on and I ran up to him and said Holmes do you think this field's wrong to him he's like no I've got him I've got him <laughs> end of the over he was off that was the end of his first team career that was great but the <laughs> other one was the fact that he obviously uh, knew his runs were important to him and uh, uh, he definitely ran out a couple of the locals in his time uh, making oh. sure that he was going to get get home safely oh yeah Ash was there uh... <laughs> he was a bit of a counter as well. He knew what he was on, and he knew what he, what he wanted to achieve. So uh, <laughs> you can't really argue. He he was one of the best batsmen I've seen down at Osage. He just turned up. He had a bit of flair about him, and uh, yeah, he was a, he was a great to have in the in the team as well. A lot of experience from playing back in India. So yeah, it was good, good player. So obviously, Osage was your, your starting point. Um, we we all well, the league mainly knows you as a, a Nantwich player. How did it come about? Obviously, you going across to to Nantwich, I'm presuming it involved a, a dark corner of a pub and Andy Newton. They're, they're, they're the, the, the obvious things that normally happen. Well, it actually came about in the early days of social media. We had a message board at Osage and uh, Fozzie, Neil Foster, that most of you will know, put a message on there where he set a link up saying, Jimmy, the time has come. It was a bit of a, it was a bit dangled a bit of a carrot for a bit of a bite, to be honest. Uh, and I thought nothing of it. And then I got a call off Newt's a couple of weeks later saying, I'd like to meet you for a pint. And I thought, playing at Nantwich, Premier League club, opening the ball with someone like Barrington Brown. And I thought, it's an offer I can't refuse to go and, and, pre- and, and uh, improve my cricket. So once I sat down with Newt's, he's such an impressive bloke. I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll take the chance. So it was a, it was a big step for me coming out of my comfort zone I was only 23 at the time uh, but yeah never looked back it was the best decision I made to be honest So obviously you've gone to Nantwich you've gone to open the bowling was that uh, a caveat that oh yeah you're going to open the bowling or did we were on quite a short leash to start with No well we had a really good bowling set up at the time there was Barrington there was uh, Phil Stockton there was Chris Hampshire uh, I think Shaw was still there at the time uh, Ollie Sadler as the spinner so and Brady Doyle, who can bowl as well. Uh, I turned up to net thinking, oh, Christ, there's, there's a lot of good bowlers here. Uh, so I basically got told I've got six, seven weeks to, to try and cement my spot as the opening bowler. And obviously, Barrington had the other end. Uh, and I thought, right, I'll give it my best shot until we played all the edge first game of the season. Opening the bowl into Mark Curry, uh, who was well in his pomp at the time, hit my first four balls for four. I turned around to Ray at cover and said, Christ, what they're doing? And he looked at me and said, "You're a bowler, sort it out." And I was like, oh. <laughs> "So I think I bowled about three or four overs, got whipped off, went down to fine leg, and thought about what the hell am I doing here?" Uh, and then came back and got—I think I got him out when he was on about 80 odd, off not many balls. And uh, yeah, I never looked back from there. Really, it took me a couple of weeks to to improve my performances and to realise that the margin for error is nowhere near as much as it was in Division One. Uh, but yeah, what a what a, a baptism of fire that was. I, I think it's quite interesting, Jimmy. Obviously, made that step up from Division One. Um, I, I don't know about you. I certainly the, the biggest thing that I noticed was there's obviously a lot more depth in the side, but the quality of the wickets they seem to improve as you go up the leagues. And certainly as a bowler, I'm speaking with obviously with about five years' experience of being a senior bowler before I was deemed useless. Um, it becomes more difficult because the lengths you bowl in change. 
Yeah, it wasn't really more the length, it was more the line. Uh, obviously, you can't run and bowl off volleys all the time, but like I said, the cuss of the first ball was probably about two inches outside off stump, whacked through cover for four, readjusted, went straighter, straight through mid-wicket for four, went a little bit wider and shorter, whacked over the top for four, went straight again, went for four. I was like, Christ. Where usually Division 1, you bowl a lot straighter, tried to aim for off stump and, well, middle and off, off just outside, whereas Prem, learned over the years, you've got to bowl the fourth, fifth stump line outside off. If anything other than that, you're just going to get punished, especially with the top five batters in every team. They're all class. You can hit both sides of the wicket. You've just got to be so patient. It's uh, something that I learned, I learned along the way, to be honest. And Barrington gave me a lot of advice with that. To say, look, just be patient. Don't try and bowl the magic ball that I get hammered for every time I get whipped through, through leg. But, yeah, it's, it was a big learning curve and something you have to do pretty quick if you want to try and be successful. So you mentioned, obviously, Andy Newton was captain at the time when he came and took you across from Al Sager. You, you've had two captains there in that time. I'm right in saying that. You've had Newt and you've yeah. had Ray. Yeah. Um, two very different characters. Um, do they manage you the same? or is, is the, you know... No, they're slightly different, to be honest. I'm, to be fair, I'm pretty lucky because they're both, they're both class people and class captains. Uh, Newt was very quiet and very trusting. He was, you knew when you'd done something wrong just by his expression he wouldn't shout and ball i can remember when we've been battered before in games he'd walk in the changing room after and just go right draw a line under it and he can move on and walk off and that you knew was your your telling off with ray he's a lot more open and he expresses feelings more but he does it in a very good way in terms of managing me newt would come and ask me say how would you feel and these were in the days of bowling 26 27 overs from one end and me being a bowler is like, yeah, I'll keep me on, I'm fine. And most weeks then I was bowling over 20 plus overs a week. Uh, but he would, he could tell, he could tell, he's a good man manager, he could tell when I was flagging a bit. He could say, right, come on, have a break and then, and then switch it up a bit. But with Ray, he's straight away, he'll give me one, he'll give me the sign one or two. I'll take a wicket, I'll get another. If not, he'll whip it off. And after the amount of times I've spat my dummy out and he's, he's just come and said, look, just sort your head out. And I've had to, have five minutes to myself and I say, yeah, it was the right decision. Because normally when he does it, someone comes on and gets a wicket and he just turns and laughs at me. So something you've got to take on the chin. But no, I've, I've, I'm, I'm quite easy going. I've got two different types of captain, but both I've, I respect massively and I respect their decision, what they, they do with me. So, Well, it's funny, you just touched on um, a couple of minutes ago about the fact that the league changed the rules and now obviously it's all about, um, you know, you can only bowl 17 overs. I know at the time there was you and Jason Whitaker, both very, very senior bowlers in the league, had relatively strong views on the change of rules. Is that, do you think that's benefited the cricket and benefited you, or are you still of the same thought that the batters no. don't have to retire? <laughs> no, but yeah, I've had to kind of swallow my pride a little bit on this, to be honest. I still, there's still games where you think you wish you can bowl more, and it's a bit frustrating obviously the, the old, if you remember the argument was well batsmen should retire in 85 then but obviously that's never going to happen uh, we've got in my view at the time was you've got a cup competition where you've got limited overs if the argument was if you want to try and progress your career play minor counties you need to bowl long spells bowling 10 12 overs a week isn't going to help you if you want to play three day cricket or for the younger lads going on to county cricket it's not going to help them 17, I think, was a happy medium. And 
like obviously I'm getting on a bit. Jace is a bit older than me. It's probably helped us out a bit. And it's it's helped me play in the two days when we've got cup games on a Sunday. So I can't really complain now. If it was any less than 17, I don't think I'd be too happy. But 17, it's good because it also gives the captain something else to think about. Well, you, well you, sorry, you carry on. No, I was just going to say is because the the main thing was giving other people a go, but there's no point giving, say, a youngster a go against uh, Warren Good and James Duffy on 120 that out because it's going to end one way, isn't it? So that was my main argument with it, but 17 seems to be a pretty good number, to be fair. Well, the league have obviously reacted to probably, I wouldn't say pressure from within the league, but certainly people who've played three-day cricket have been clamouring for a long time well over a decade to get the Duke's ball into the league um, I know for you you're probably licking your lips because the, the Duke's ball does tend to do a, it swings a little bit more and does a little bit more for longer how did you find that transition from when you went to minor counties where you were bowling with the readers on a Saturday not doing very much and then all of a sudden having to adjust to bowling with these, these, these Duke's balls well yeah it was like Christmas day to be honest because it was you're learning to bowl. Like I said, you've got to have to learn to be patient, bowling, trying to get... I've never been a massive swing of the ball anyway, but trying to learn to get just a bit of nibble, trying to nip it away, hammering your line and length constantly every Saturday to then go minor counties and get a ball that's swinging. That, when, you remember when I played minor counties, I never opened the ball and I came on first change. So the ball was probably 15 overs old and it was still going. And it just helped me to go back to not be more greedy but to, to be able to attack more as a first change bowler because you can rely on your, your line and length but if there's a bit of swing going there as well then you, there's a, just another weapon to your armoury so you can keep your slips in, you can keep your attacking fields in. So for me I really enjoyed that challenge and just learning how to bowl with a, a better ball more than anything. I, I think it'd be great for, for, well it may be next season now but I think we will see more all-rounders come into our league in the sense that there's a lot of guys who bowl medium pace, maybe lower down the league, who bat. You come to the Premier League and you have two, maybe three frontline seamers, and the, the kind of dibbly dobbler uh, all rounder has kind of faded off in our league because if you're not a frontline seamer and you don't get the new ball, you tend to go to the spinners then. Yeah. Whereas I think if you can get someone, look at someone at your club, big, you know, sort of someone I'm a big fan of, Stocko. You know, I thought he gave you a really good extra dimension last year. Plus the fact yeah. I think his mum and dad are brilliant. But yeah, <laughs> when he came back, Stocko came back this year was a it was just a massive blessing for us because we'd always gone into the games with me and well this year me and Mitch and then Shane and Griff as our spinners with Ray as our our, our third uh, our fifth bowler, so the third seamer. Having Stocko come back, it was it then became a selection dilemma to be honest, but. Stocko can bat, you know what he can do, especially with a keeper up and he's swinging it. It's just, he's unplayable sometimes. So it was, it was so good to have him back. I think um, just looking, just well, nibbling towards Lords, really, from last year for you guys, obviously, um, that there just seems so much momentum. Obviously, you played a lot of home games towards the end, which you kind of get a feeling. I know we've been in that sort of situation where you get those home games and you get the momentum and the crowd behind you. Having that extra, not just Stocko, but you seem like you had a lot more balance this time in, in this run and more options rather than going to five bowlers with no backup. Yeah, well, it was it was really good because Mitch missed the game as well. So we had Scott Wardley come in as the off spinner that we got and he bowled fantastic in the game he played. So 
we've got a bit of depth. Now Stocko's come back as well, and obviously with Scott. Uh, but yeah, we were lucky. We had we played one away game at Timberley for the whole run, so we got so lucky with the draw. And you had teams like Spondon, Bath, and Ormsgate come in. When Bath turned up, we just thought, "Oh my God, what type of size is this?" They looked, they were, they looked frightening. And you look at the stats they've got and the players that they had. But they turned up and looked at the track. It was, a, it was, there was a bit of weather about, and it was, it, it, it did a little bit, and they just weren't sure what to do. But they got to, what did they get? They got, uh, I think Bath. They got one ninety six, and they thought they had plenty on that track, and we knocked it off for one. Luke got 124, just batted outrageous, and Dobbo got 50 to see us through. But it was the momentum. If we'd been away, it could have been a different story. But the, the amount of crowd, the amount of people there, the crowds we had, it was just, it just seemed right for us, if you know what I mean. The lads well, were all together. We Everyone chipped in here and there, apart from obviously that game, Luke got the, the massive score to win it for us. But it was just, uh, yeah, it was just, just unbelievable. There's no, there's no one like. I'll, I'll be honest with you. If I was, if I was picking a league eleven to take on another league, based on what's in the league at the moment, Robbo would be right up there for me. As in the side, I just think he's got that X factor. Um, I know when I was captain of Cheshire, that was something that I was desperate to have him in the side. Um, and you know the fact that he just wandered into your club after moving up is. You know, <laughs> I, I remember the first season he joined. He had that rank bat. It was horrible. It was like a V something. Yeah, and he, he strutted out there. And then within like five balls, he played like a reverse sweep. He was having a go at the slip field. I thought, who is this lad? It's brilliant. You know, and oh, it's just, he, it was just unbelievable. He turned up and everyone's like, oh, yeah, he can play a bit. And we're like, right, okay, he just turned up. It's not going to be nothing. It's going to be no cop. And then the first game, I think he got 70 odd. And we were just like, oh, my word. He just, he just looked pure class. And since then, he's just gone from strength to strength. He's just so, he's just such a quiet lad, just minds his own business, has a bit of banter. But when he gets the bat in his hand, he just switches on. And when people have a go at him, he's such a hard lad. He just cracks on. And the game against Bath, they were giving him loads. And he just got better and better and better. I think he got his 100 off 80, 124 of 80 balls, I think he got. And we were just sat there thinking, oh my word. As an amateur cricketer, you won't see an innings as good as that. It was just pure class, and they had a lot of good players, a lot of like minor counties and second team professionals in their team. And he just made them look like average good cricketers. He was he was fantastic. So so for you last year, obviously, um, getting to Lords. I'll let you have a couple of minutes on this because obviously it's the Chester podcast, and for, for all this is like it's like running your nails down a blackboard. <laughs> you know, it, it, we have to put the tweets out saying good luck, Nantwich, go well. Well, well, we had a bit of Chester support there as well, which is good. So we can't we can't complain too much. It was good to see some of the some of the boys from other teams there. So there must have been free tickets knocking around, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it must have been compost. There's nothing. You know, you, you say all the right things. So you know, it's like tough this year. You know, they they're representing the league when Bramall represent the league at finals. So you've got you've got to say the right thing. But there's that little. One percent inside when someone from your team's doing it, someone from your league playing in a massive game like that, where you're like, "Oh no, they're going to be unbearable <laughs> if we win that." Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was just for me. I'm I'm 36, 37 in a couple of weeks. It was just a once in a lifetime experience for me to be there with a group of lads that I, I, I love spending every Saturday with. I had Sundays and banter through the winter and nets and whatever. Like that's that we have no. We had no ex-professionals in that team. It was just a group of amateurs, and it was just 
it, it didn't go our way on the day, but to get there, we got there the day before, had a net on the nursery ground at the back, got a big like, footballer's coach down there, staying in a lovely hotel across, straight across from Lords, got suited and booted going up. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was just unbelievable. Really was one of the best, best days of my cricket in life, to be honest. Which which end did you take, Jim? Because I know uh, Freck and Mitch will probably tell everyone since Barrington's not been opening the bowl, and you pretty much do what you want when it comes to the new ball and picking ends. Is that is that still the case? Yeah, I chose the pavilion end. I it's just I just felt that I, ever people were saying, "Oh, use the slope going up, using it to go away," but I just felt that I could try and hold my line that way and try and bring it back. It may be a right wrong decision. I don't know, but it was just it was just something that felt right for me on the day. So, but Mitch was great. He bowled fantastic from the other end. Uh, it was just yeah, just a shame we didn't we didn't get the the result we wanted. It was a bit strange playing with a forty yard boundary on one side, but it's something that you have to try and try and think out. Think, well, try not to think about, to be honest. Just try and just play your normal game uh, rather than saying, oh, we don't want to be two legs it was on the leg sides in the end I was bowling you don't want to start overcompensating so and it, it must be it must be what and look we we got to go to Cardiff we got to go to uh, Northampton obviously getting to play at Lords is obviously something extremely special um, and, and I'm sure now you've had a taste for it it's something that you you probably want to have a go for again um, you always want to kind of recreate that success but it came at a cost for you last year that obviously you fell away a little bit in the league. Well, you know, will the league come back onto onto the radar this? Well, I say this year. What the next time the league restarts? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, the league was the league's always the main plan, but we've the last few years, especially since Ray's taken over, he's always had a massive uh, interest in having a good cup competition, a uh, good run in the national. Uh, and obviously, we did that last year. And as as we went, I got injured. Brownie got injured. So it was. It started to become a. It started to become a. Uh, more of a. Let's. What we're going to do here? What's best for us to do? And it was seemed to be obviously the national. Uh, and we knew we had to finish fourth to get the. To get the position to go into the uh, national next year. So that became it because Chester were flying at the time, and we knew that we had to prioritise. Uh, the national the full toss podcast from chester borton hall and on the full toss podcast we're talking to nantwich's jimmy warrington where we've covered off the early days with alsager the move on to nantwich and a trip to lords last year now time to think about some of those epic battles between chester and nantwich so towards the end of last season jim we've had obviously some great battles over the years uh, i know that you actually had the, the better of us uh, certainly in the away game, poor George McCormack was lamb to the slaughter as he came out to bat against his old side, J.O., God bless him, um, who's been great for us. I know, obviously, he, he speaks very highly of you, Jim, you know, tell us a little bit about J.O. Yeah, George, he was, he was, it was a shame it didn't, it didn't work out for him, to be honest. It was, he joined the club as, he, as, as, as like the first, probably the first change bowler because he's a young lad, he's got a load of potential. He's a good lad, and it was. He, I think he wanted he wanted to, to play first team, and with like I said, the balance of the side we had, 
got me and last year, me and Freck opening the bowling. You've got uh, Griff and Shane and Ray as your, your all-rounder. It's, it was kind of hard to get him in. And when he came in, he did all right. He, did, he didn't do too bad. I think he just wanted to get to get involved with the first team rather than we saw have enough have a year or two in the twos, play when you can. And to be honest, I gutted when he left because uh, I thought I saw a lot of potential in him. But he's, yeah, he's a good lad and he's doing well. So I'm glad he's I'm glad he's doing well. He seems to be doing well down under as well. So it's, it, it was it was almost like an opposite scenario with Shane Patel because Shane we loved having Shane at Chester, great lad. You know, re, you know, lo- loves the horses on the slide. Yeah. You know, he's great. I think he's fantastic, uh, Shano. Uh, but there just wasn't a gap there. There was yeah. Harry, there was Jack, there was Ross, there was Rolo. And he just, there just wasn't room. There was an obvious gap at your place to go there. And I think that was the same for Gio. So, yeah, it's been, yeah, definitely with Shane. Shane's been fantastic for us because he comes in, he's, uh, he's so opposite to Griff because Griff just bowls so tight and fires it in and bowls. He's just a fantastic bowler. And Shane comes in, loops it up, tries to give it a bit of spin, gets hit for six, he'll chuck it higher. And it's just something totally opposite to what we've had. So Shane's been fantastic for us. Like you said, it's 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 tough for youngsters like that who've got a load of potential. But when you're a team trying to win trophies and trying to win leagues, it's hard to try and give them the first team exposure that they want. So that's why yeah. they tend to, to move somewhere and try and, and try and go from there. So, but that's do you not think that's the modern way now, Jim? The fact that everyone believes that young players just deserve an opportunity because they're a young player. No, not necessarily. They usually, if they think they deserve it, they've usually got something behind it. It's if you, for me, if you're playing second team cricket and you want to play first team, you need to be taking five wickets most weeks. You need to be getting seventy, eighty, hundred. If you're not. It's hard. If you've got a well-established first team, say, top order, opening bowling pair or spinner or whatever, it, it, is, it is tough. It is tough. I, I, I had that at old stage. I was desperate to play first team cricket. And when I got my chance, sometimes it didn't work out. And you've just got to go back and say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to prove you wrong. No, and I think, I think that's a really good point. The fact that people in that second team have to score big runs or take big wickets to actually force the way into good sides. I think that that's kind of where I sometimes take a little bit of umbrage, where certainly parents are like, oh, well, he's playing in the first team. He's come up from the seconds on a cry-off. He should really be, he, he normally opens the bowling in the under-15s. And you're like, well, actually, you're playing for Nantwich, you're playing for Chester. Yeah. It's, an, it's an experience in itself. We had a, a young lad, uh, I think it was either last year or the year before, called Jake Little play for us, who actually opens the bowling for King's School, He's played the odd second team, a bit of third team, and he came and played in the first. And it was really quite refreshing to see a lad who just was soaking up the atmosphere, asking questions, didn't really expect to do a great deal, and probably could have done more than we let him do. But he went away and took a lot from that experience, uh, you know. Yeah, that's I did. it. I did it as a youngster. You probably did. I remember at 13 getting taken away with the first team to field at Osasia. And just being with them lads who I spent all day Saturday watching was fantastic. Being there and won the game and singing the song and having a well, a sneaky half a pint with them, it was brilliant. <laughs> it just seems to me that that's gone a little bit due to the amount of kids that are watching the game at the club. If you know what I mean, I was I, I spent my every Saturday and Sunday as a kid at Osage watching as my main aim to play in that first team. And then once I did that, it was like right, then what? And then you look to 
to improve your cricket as best you can. So I don't know. It's it's all a bit different now, isn't it? But sound like right old boys now, aren't we? But <laughs> well, I'm sure we can redo this in five years when we're playing in the over 40s. It's not a problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just right. Okay, it's obviously the kind of full toss podcast, which is aimed from Chester's perspective, really. Let's go to your games against Chester now. I've picked a couple of your top five bowling performances out, and I know Freck will be sat there cringing because we're going to big you up for a little bit here. Um, <laughs> you've got you've got you've got two eighties against us, um, and by the looks of it, they're both at our place. So I don't know what Keggy's doing unless you've been speaking to him in the week, looking after the bowlers. Uh, we got eight eight for uh, sixty eight in two thousand and fifteen, which was the game which still grates on me, which we lost. You won nine down, and you were actually at the crease, Jimmy. Do you want to talk me through your contribution to that Oh, that, that match-winning partnership. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, I played a massive part. Walked in to bat nine down. I can't remember how many we needed to win. I think it was over. It was over between 10 and 20, I think. Liam was at the other end. He was batting fantastically. I think he was on 60-odd, 70-odd. Probably get wrong. Probably get told off for that. He... Uh, and then I walked in, five balls gone. Jack Williams was bowling. And I've had my struggles with Jack over the years. He always seems to get me with the googly. So I thought, right, I'm not going to get out to the googly. Got men around the back, <laughs> getting absolutely powders from everyone. So I thought, get a big stride in, won't be LBW. Got half a stride in, he bowled his quicker ball, which smashed me on the laces. And I panicked and looked up at my good friend, Alistair Davis, who was umpiring. It was out, mate. And I've just thought, smash that, smash that. And he'd give it not out. Absolutely and I've got absolutely hammered by all the Chester lads, as you can imagine. Livy's laughing his head off at the other end. We've gone down, ended the overtouch gloves. Just said, look, mate, you better win this is over because I'm not lasting another ball. And he's proceeded to then hit Harry for two or three big sixes to win the game. And I was just panicking at non-strike and then thinking, don't get me on strike. That so, yeah, so whatever, whatever <laughs> I did that game just totally got forgotten because <laughs> I was a nervous wreck at the other end. Batting, yeah, so. that 8 for 68 was a little bit overshadowed. Livy got 93 not out that day and he hit seven sixes. That was really at the point then where we'd obviously seen Livy grow an awful lot in the league. Um, and that, that's where really you stood there going, God, this, this guy's an absolute cut above. Uh, he just yeah, had a complete, was... a complete another gear and what one thing I would say is I, I've had some fabulous run-ins with Livy over the years, you know, um, both trying to play as hard as we can. Um, but what I would say is the one thing I do really like is that every time he seems to have a Saturday off, he seems to be down there. Uh, I saw Ray's kids wearing a Rajasthan Royals top. You know, he seems to really get back and support the club. Yeah, he's been a massive part of the club. He's he's desperate to play as many games for us as he can that fits in with his schedule. Uh he comes to watch his, his dad's mum and dad, Stephen Julie, there most weeks when he hasn't got a game. Uh, his brother Callum comes down to the odd game as well. They're just a just a great family, and he's a great lad. He's he, he added so much. It's a shame we didn't win anything when he was there, but the year you could see him grow as a lad because I think he was seventeen, eighteen when he joined. I remember a game at Marple when he had before they had the changing rooms, the big steps at the side. He, we were close to winning. He run up at drink and walked in and said, right, who's in next? And it was young Ben Johnson. He said, right, lad from this end doing this, this, this. Lad from the other end doing this, this, this. Make sure when you come in, you do this, rotate, try it. 
and it just showed a massive maturity from him from an early age. And just to see that and see him grow as a cricket, and obviously to what he's he's done now was was fantastic. Yeah, that's probably enough um, being nice to Livy because I reckon uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm dropping me guard a bit there. Um, yeah, he's had but, a couple of minutes. That'll do. For yeah, him. he's had a couple of minutes, so we we can move on from that. But no, he's he's done fantastically well. Uh, there, there was another eight for back in 2008. Uh, it was actually a game where Eddie Roberts ended up 99 not out. Um, obviously a bit in the wicket for you to get eight for. Um, our good friend Warren Goodwin opened the bowl in that day as a seamer, 13 overs, none for 48, and didn't score any runs that day, just to just to highlight those points for you. Oh, was that back in his bowling all-rounder days, was it? Back, that, that was back when he just did whatever he seemed to want to do. Uh, I'm pretty sure he had a few good seasons after that, so we'll let him off. But Yeah, it's good to get Warren out for none, because I've been on the receiving end plenty of times, to be fair. So, yeah, it's always good to get him out early. <laughs> but uh, over the years, you know, we we spoke with uh, Duffers the other week, and that kind of rivalry uh, within the league. Obviously, it's quite a spread out league for you. When you see the fixtures, do you have a a particular game or set of games that you go? Do you know what they're big games, and I can't have a holiday when them games are on. Yeah, there's always there's always games. You see Chester, you see Hyde. Over the last couple of years, you had Neston, Audley Edge. It's always them teams. You think right, you know who they've got. They won't have changed much over the winter. You've got, as a bowler, you look and think, right, you've got the job to get the top four or five lads out with your opening partner. And the batsmen know what they're going to be facing. It's it's the same. It's, there's a lot of good teams in this league. And that's the, that's been the, that's what makes it so competitive, to be honest, because you know you're not going to get many easy games. And you look at these games, you think, right, to be fair, you know what it's like. As soon as you play first team cricket, you you're not really allowed to have a holiday anyway, are you? Or you get massively frowned upon. But uh, you know, you look at them games, you think, right, that's the game we've got to we've got to step up. Hope the weather's good and and give it everything you've got. I I, I look back talking about holidays, Jim. I look back from when I was like sixteen, seventeen. I I I think I've had three holidays per se in in six in sixteen years, uh, where I've missed a Saturday, gone abroad. And I look back now, and I can't even remember the games I missed. But at the time, it means so much. Like, how are they? How are they missing Neston away? What were they thinking when they booked that holiday? And, but you, these young, you these young lads it, you now, go. they love a festival. Well, that's it. You come out, you get into a bubble, don't you? You come, you go to internet, you get back with your boys, and you just think, right, whoever we're playing, they're having it type thing. <laughs> and and you think, right, when someone's missing, they get hammered. You get hammered. Lads to go go on a stag do or got a wedding. It's you hammer them for it, and it's it's something they've got to do. But it it means so much. Them twenty two weeks mean so much for everyone. And I'm not just the only one saying it, but everyone gives everything. You give a lot of time to play cricket, and you've got to you've got to get the most out of it. So you don't want to be there. You don't want to be on holiday. I did it. I we we go with the kids and the wife. We go Sunday to Friday, and I missed the 2020 Cup run last year. Not last year, year before. I missed the second finals day. So after the Cheshire finals day, the second one, and I sat on my phone the whole day watching, thinking, what am I doing here? And then Mrs. <laughs> like, get off your phone, get off your phone. I was like, no, I can't. And luckily the lads were fantastic and got us through. But I just felt like I was missing out massively. So, yeah, it's 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 a tough one to take. The, the, the wives and girlfriends have a lot to put up with, to be fair. Good plug that, Jim. I'm sure she'll be listening to this. She, as well, t- she, told, me, she told me I've got a minute. So. <laughs> 
even though she doesn't come watch, she's, she's a, yeah, she's a good one. Right, now this is something, I did give you a bit of a heads up on this. Now, I want you to quickly dash through your best 11. Now, I did ask you to make this in Nantwich, Alsadia combined 11. But you did have a little bit of a whinge about it when I asked you about it. So I'm going to give you the choice now if you want to try and put your all-time 11 together and actually leave a couple of your mates out, or you're going to do the, the obvious thing where you probably pick a team which has Spencer and Freckingham in because that's the easiest way to get around it. Oh, it's, I'm not picking a team with me, mate. So you've got to have two teamers, haven't you? Or three teamers. <laughs> no, me <laughs> Yeah, me Nantwich team, and I apologise to people I've missed out, but number one, Johnny Kettle. Wicketkeeper, number two, Ryan Brown. Overseas, which was hard, super hard. I've gone for Lou Vincent because he just, on his day, was just absolutely outrageous. Glenn Bartoshoff, who's unlucky to not get yeah, him there. Yeah, <laughs> Glenn was, yeah, was tough to miss out. And even Niall O'Brien, for two years we had him, he's classes overseas, he was fantastic. Uh, Liam at four, Luke Robinson, who we talked about before at five. Tricky one at six, whoever goes for me, two skippers. But I've gone for Ray because of the bowling. Sorry, about Ray. That, that is outrageous. So, Andy, just to make, can we get that as a soundbite, Jim? Andy Newton left out of the Nantwich side by Jimmy Warrington. Yeah, I know. I'm going to get I'm gonna get some uh, cop for that. Number seven, Chris Amcher, another all-rounder. Eight, Ollie Freckenham. Nine, Ollie Griffiths. Ten, Mitch Spencer. And 11, my hero, Barrington Brown. So you team. That was a team. So I've had a big shout to people like Howley, Louis Bentley, Glenn, Newts, obviously. We've had a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of very good. I've been very lucky in my time at Nancy's played with a lot of good players. So you've got, you've done, that. mate, you've done superbly well there by leaving yourself up the side. You've obviously created space so you don't have to choose between Freck and Spencer. Leaving be Newts good, out. Be a good it, team it, manager. It, be a good team, it, be a good team, <laughs> team manager. <laughs> But just going back to making some tough choices, you know, at Chester, obviously opening the bat, and we've got Rick Moore, we've got Warren Goodwin. Who would you rather bowl at? Oh, that's tough, mate. That's tough. Either one would both give me loads for saying the other one. Uh, probably, and I'll regret this, probably say Rick. Because I fancy Rick for a big fancy drive early doors and try and get through the gate, which I've had a couple of times. So I'll go for Rick on that. Sorry, Rick. Uh-huh. So you turn up on Saturday, you've got the new ball and you've got one person that you've opened the bowling with at Nantwich and sadly, Barrington Brown's not available. Oh, mate, come on. <laughs> that was your, you gave me that before. It's too easy that. We know Barrington's a legend and sadly, Freckingham and Mitch are sat there in the changing room. You can only pick one. Who opens the bowling with you? Oh, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to say Mitch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, Freck. Still, still playing with you. Still oh, no, playing with you. We travel, we travel together on either list. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Mitch has been. Mitch is, He's only been one year with us. Had two brilliant years with Freck. But Mitch is. He's. He's coming. He's brought. He's brought a fresh uh, breath of fresh air coming over from staff. Been a been a quality lad this year. And he's helped me a lot to be honest with my bowling. So spent a lot of time with him over the winter talking, and we obviously netting together more and and chatting on the way to games so we give each other we bounce off each other pretty well so yeah we'll go for Mitch I, I really do like that Nantwich actually give the opportunity to go out and pick a new bowler every time one leaves I think it's a bit it's like speed dating because I remember you telling me about Mitch actually signing for Nantwich and that was pretty much down to you wasn't it you went out and headhunted him 
Well, it wasn't that. It was <laughs> you make you make it sound worse. Than it. <laughs> it's not. No, uh, no. We we were looking. Obviously, Brett gave us a lot of advance to say he was he was going to stay. He was going to stay in Leicester, which is obviously a massive blow because the two years he had with us was fantastic. Uh, and it's been really hard, especially you know it's like trying to get a, an opening bowler. It's pretty tough getting. And Mitch had had a had a year at Leek and he was captain. Didn't really go too well for him, and I think he was looking for a fresh challenge. So spoke to. A lot of people in the staff league, uh, Gary Stanier, Spider, most people know him as, uh, and a few other lads that uh, give Mitch a call. So we got in touch with him, and I think he wasn't really sure. They always the lads in the staff league aren't sure about the travelling, because obviously we do a bit of travelling stuff. But it was yeah, it was great to finally get him on board. No, he he, he is a quality operator, and I, I know that he's uh, he's had some success with staffs as well. So I am being a bit unfair, but I just thought I've been, I've been so kind to you, allowing you to pick about 15 players, not including yourself in the Nantwich team. So, you know, I thought I'd better ask a few more. Yeah, questions. no worries. Jimbo, we've had a few questions uh, through Twitter though, haven't we? We have. Um, one of them was asking about the, um, the, the, the bowler that you most admire, Jimbo, the, the, you know, you've mentioned Barrington Brown, obviously, uh, and your, your Nantwich mates, uh, Mitch and uh, Freckingham. What about elsewhere in the league? Who have you uh, really most admired from around and about? There's quite a few, to be fair, but the one that stands out is, is Jace Whitaker. He's, uh, he's been a class performer for so many years. And I remember even as a youngster growing up, thinking, yeah, I'll get to 35 and that will do. I'll, I'll pack it in then. And obviously, joining Antwich and seeing Barrington going in his 40s, you think, geez. And then you see Jace going and he's, he's still taking wickets. He, but he bowled it against us last year at Antwich and he was bowled absolutely magic balls. He got four or five there and he was just absolutely unplayable. And you just see his desire and his, his obviously his skill he's got to keep playing. He's, he's, yeah, he's someone I admire to, for myself to try and keep myself fit and keep going. Uh, there's obviously Chris Finnegan as well. Just mainly people who've got longevity in the game. They're the people I admire. Mate, so you just mentioned Finns then. I actually think Finns was actually a bit ahead of his time in the sense that you look at all the lads now who go around and they've got all these isotonic gels and drinks and do all these different bits. Finns has had that for 15 years. Oh, his little satchel. With his satchel, he's got, you know, four or five bananas in there and he's got protein shakes and... His preparation was first class. Against him, he walked down with a with a satchel on his back to find leg. I was like, "Who's this?" And then the obviously, problem... he, probably, he probably got five or snicked everyone off. And I thought, "All oh, right, he's doing something right." The problem with Finns so... is he's carrying that little satchel down. But if a normal person picked it up, it'd probably look like a, a an overnight <laughs> bag. <laughs> it's just uh, one one other one was. Um... Jim, it's nearly 20 years at Nantwich. 20 years nearly at Nantwich? Not far off, is it? 20, have, a, have a laugh, Jim. It's 13, 13, I'm not old. All oh, right, then 13. 13 I'm a scorer. 14, I'm a scorer. <laughs> I can't count. You know that. So, And you made the choice for all, uh, lots of good reasons to go to, Nant- to uh, Nantwich. Now, if you'd gone to or if you were going to any other Premier League club now, wow. apart from Nantwich, oh. <laughs> where oh. would that be, mate? Oh, oh Jesus. What, in, in Cheshire or Staffordshire? <laughs> no, no uh, we're in Cheshire. We're in Cheshire. Oh, I don't know. That's a tough one. It'll, it'll, I'll, give it, I'll give it a good one. That, that it all depends on travelling, Jim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, to be fair. Uh, that's a, that's uh, it's something I've never really put, 
Pardon? That's an acceptable answer. That's is it? Good. Whatever I say, I'm going to let them off a bit there, Lee. Well, the thing is, what we can do is we can we can kind of twist that question and go, maybe not the team you want to play for, but where do you like? Where's your one place you actually like to go and bowl? Where do you like bowling, Jimbo? Like bowling at Chester, like bowling at Cheadle. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of grounds like well, Grappenall was a good one, nice and hard and bouncy. I like bowling there. There's a few grounds, a few grounds I do like bowling at. Yeah, and, and the one don't like, ground... don't like bowling at Toft that people Toft, know. Yeah, I do yeah. Not like bowling at Toft. Seamus Graveyard. <laughs> Toby Drummond used to stand there licking his lip. I turn always turn up early, walk to the ground, get about twenty yards away, and see a pile of brown rolled mud. And him standing there going, come on, Jimmy, have a look. And I'm like, oh, Toby, Jesus, come on, mate. And he just stand there laughing. And we were back first. And he's like, oh, he can't wait to bowl on this, standing at slit and just hammer me. you getting none for 70-odd. <laughs> and he'd have a beer waiting for me in the bar. Come on, Jim. I was like, oh, mate. But, yeah, Toft. Toft's one, not for me, I'm afraid. And then just a final one from me was the uh, longevity bit. You talked about longevity, the likes of Finn and, uh, and Jason. So... You say you're 36 now. We'll say that quietly, but just how long can you keep going? Because I, I always think you can keep going till you kind of just, just you know, end up in a heap in the ground because that's the way you look every Saturday. Well, that, yeah, it's like I said, as a youngster, I was like, yeah, 35, that'll do me. Why, kid, the dream of do that, box that off and finish cricket 35 and move on. And you see Barrington, I remember watching Barrington, he was absolutely shredded. And I'm there as a young fat lad turning up from all stage, you're thinking, oh, I've gone miles away here, miles away. Uh, so, yeah, try and work on my fitness. I've never been the fittest lad anyway, but I'd like to keep going another five, six, seven years, hopefully. I don't know. It all depends how the body goes, Jim. I'd like to keep going. As long as I'm contributing and I'm, I'm worth my place, then I don't see any reason to stop, to be honest. I've just got that competitive edge in me. I want to keep going, so... So you two will be playing against each other in the over forties in a few years' time. It's fair to say. I don't know yeah. if I can play. I don't think I can play over forties. I think I'm a bit still too competitive for that. But you could have mate, over forties. That's wrong. That mate, that's you could have. Right. Mate, you could have a bat. You could have a nice bat, couldn't you? Go out there. It wouldn't last very own. long, though, would it? We go about six, eight balls. Actually, it's like yeah, trying well, to whack it as hard as I can. I know I should have looked this but, up, then, Jimmy. But what was your highest score? What is your highest score then? In a league game. Uh, I think it. It was 57 against Oxton. And I remember it in Ross for a six to win the game to get me 50. Oh, was it 55 or something? It's got 50 anyway, six to win the game. And Louis Bentley was on 127 not out from the other end. Single-handed once the game. I just came in and whacked a few. And I just walked off in front of him, holding me back up in front of everyone to take the applause. And everyone's like, what are you doing? Because <laughs> Louis, was, Louis was just class that day. Yeah, yeah he, 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 he was, was quite good. Lou Bentley was unbelievable. He was class. And, and he's, another one that did, he's another one that didn't make your team as well, so hopefully he doesn't listen either. Yeah, sorry, Louie. Yeah, Lou, Lou was class. He, he, he had a, I remember he had, he had about four or five real bad weeks where he didn't score a run. And then I think out, out of four weeks, he got back-to-back 140s, 150s. He was just, he just, just flipped the switch and he was different, Mustard. He was unbelievable. Well, I don't, know about, I don't know about you, uh, Jimbo. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. One of the uh, biggest competitors in the league and someone that I absolutely dread facing as I've turned into a bit of a bunny for him. But uh, I can honestly say, Jimbo, uh, it's been a pleasure to have Jimmy Warrington um, 
a mate and an absolute legend of the league. So, Jimmy, thank you so much. And uh, uh, thanks for coming pleasure, on the full podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me on, lad. Thank you. And that just about wraps things up for the latest edition of the Full Toss podcast. So many thanks indeed to Dave Akin for bringing us up to speed with the ECB regulations. Thank you, of course, to Jimmy Warrington for talking, well, all things cricket, really, I guess. And many thanks to you for listening to us. More names lined up over the coming weeks. We'll see you very, very soon. In the meantime, of course, from Lee and myself, please do stay safe.